Jeff, brother, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, welcome. Uh, we got a great group in the room again, and I guess you can probably hear by some of the chatter going on as we as we get started. And uh, this is uh, class number three, and uh, I'll leave the title slide up for a minute before I come live on camera, but four levels of commitment and the parable of the sower. That's going to be um, what we're going to cover uh, this week. And of course, we had four levels of commitment on last week, but there were some things that I felt like we needed to get to as it related to um, uh, um, the doors closed. So people come in late. Do y'all mind swinging that open for me? Yeah, because what will happen, people, people come in late and they see the door closed and they're like, oh, they've already started. Yeah, so, but what will happen when the praise team gets here to start coming to practice, They'll Vanessa will step in, get coffee, close the door, and so that will be good. So if y'all don't mind leaving it open. So nobody else is in the building, or it shouldn't be anyway. Praise God. All right. So... Um, I kind of got distracted when I saw that door close up there. So, okay, praise God. Um, anyway, we talked some, if you recall last week, it wasn't really scheduled, but we talked a little bit about um, the difference between fellowship with God and a personal relationship with God. And, uh, and so that kind of, that on the front end took away from some time on the back end. But we're going to get to uh, four levels of commitment um, for sure. Um, this uh, in our time together. Praise God. Let's, uh, let's do this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the men and women in this room. Thank you for those who are joining us online. Father, thank you for the hunger. Thank you for the, the desire and the longing, Lord, that, that's in our hearts uh, for you and for the truth that you have, Lord, to uh, revolutionize our, our lives and our ability, Father, to live the life that you created us to live. Thank you uh, for this opportunity. I know that there are people who would, who would really like to be here, but their schedules do not uh, permit it. And, and so, Father, we, we are thankful that, that during this season of our lives, our schedules do make it uh, possible for us to, uh, to come and, and be here. Thank you, Lord, for, for folks who, who are here through class three now, Father. And so uh, we're just going to keep moving on through, and you're going to keep on helping us, and we thank you for it. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We acknowledge you as our teacher. We surrender and yield to you. We thank you for uh, speaking to us today in ways like only you can. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, so let's do just a quick review. And, and um, this verse is worthy of review because it's really a cornerstone verse. Uh, there's a handful of verses that I consider to be bedrock cornerstone verses for, for these entire 36 classes. And this is certainly one of them. Matthew chapter 11 28, 29, and 30, where Jesus uh, says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn. And the New King James Version says, from me. The King James Version says, of me. And so uh, the correct uh, preposition there is, of me, learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we talked about a little last week the difference between learning about someone, learning from someone, learning of someone. When you learn of someone, uh, this is when you learn about their nature, their character, their personality, their ability. Had a question about faith and a definition of faith before class started. And, and you know, one of the issues that we have is, is faith uh, is in the Word of God, uh, you know, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But you can never have more confidence in what someone says than you have in the person who said it. And a lot of people are trying to operate in faith uh, based upon what God has said, but they don't trust what He said enough because they don't 
know Him. They haven't learned of Him. And so the more you learn of Him, the more your faith will uh, grow and increase. Because, like, do you understand what I mean by that? It, you know, if, if a total stranger tells you, um, you know, go look under a rock in the park and there's a $100 bill in there for you, I mean, you'd be like, what in the world, you know? But somebody that you really know, really trust, tells you the same thing, you're, you're much more, and this is the key, you're much more likely to act on it uh, in confidence and faith, right? So we've got a lot of folks who are trying to believe God who, who don't know a thing about His nature, His character, His personality. And the devil's behind that. So much misunderstanding today. Um, and, you know, if you listen to modern-day religion, you know, God and the devil are in cohorts together working against us. And, of course, nothing can be further from the truth. The Bible does not support that. So Jesus says, come to me, come to me. Not just come to a set of principles. Principles are important. We're going to talk about a lot of biblical principles while we're together. But Jesus didn't just invite us to a religion. He didn't just invite us to principles. He didn't, watch this now, He didn't just invite us to a set of disciplines. You know, there are Christian principles, there are Christian disciplines that we need to know, that we need to understand. But principles and disciplines without Jesus... Right? There's no life in that. There, there's no power in that. There's no joy in that. There's no results. There are no results in that. Okay? So Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me. And uh, all labor and heavy laden, carrying baggage, life's become so hard. So write this down, okay? And this is a really good rule of thumb, all right? If it's, um, if it's heavy and hard, it's not God, okay? Because what, what did he say, verse 30? My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Um, so if it's, if it's heavy and it's hard, okay, it's not God. God is, God is not trying to load you down with stuff that you can't do. Um, he's trying to empower you and enable you to live the life that he created you to live. All right. So from this, we, we pulled out this key word, learn. We said in the original language, that word is the word manthano. And from that word manthano, we get our word discipleship. Maybe you'll remember this. I'll be quick here. But it's to put forth an intense effort to learn by experience. To put forth an intense effort to learn by experience. And, and that's ultimately what Jesus wants to do when you take his yoke and you come alongside him and do life together with him. Uh, you're going to learn of him and you're going to learn experientially. You're going you're gonna to learn by doing, not just by uh, hearing. Okay? To be a hearer only, right? The Bible has a lot to say about that. Now, uh, and then working together with Manthano is didasco. And didasco is teaching for the purpose of assimilating oneself into those being taught. So Jesus wasn't just here to tell us what he knew. He was here to make us like himself. And discipleship is about a process of, of being made more and more uh, like Jesus. And as the new birth, as it relates to the new birth, we're growing up into him. And so Luke 640, and then we'll get to some new verses. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So Jesus wants you to be like him. You were created to be like him. Let me show you this. Romans chapter 8. Now, Romans 8 is, I mean, every word that God ever spoke to us is, is important and powerful and, and living and all of that. But Romans 8 is, um, I say this sometimes, I, I'll, I need to preach two or three sermons before I can preach the sermon that I'm here to preach, you know. 
uh, meaning what? You've got to get some, some foundation laid, and that's a lot of what we're doing right now. We're laying some foundation. We're getting some things in place. We're dialing some things in. But then it's kind of like once we get that set, now we can really make some progress. And so much has is, is happened leading up to chapter 8 in Romans in the first seven chapters that you know, is being spelled out and laid out and explained. Uh, and then we come to this eighth chapter of Romans, which, you know, it's, it's again, memorize the whole chapter. It wouldn't hurt you. Okay? It's good, good stuff, right? And, and we come to verse 29 where it says, For whom he foreknew, foreknew, to, to foreknow means to know beforehand, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is really important stuff right here because it's, it's cutting all the way into the heart of God as it relates to why we even exist. And when God created us, he created us to be as Jesus is to him. And we see in John 17 where he loves you and me with the same love that he loves Jesus with. God the Father loves you and me with the same love that he loves Jesus with. We were created by God to be one with God. We were created by the eternal community that is God to, to, to be grafted in and to be a part of um, their family. Oneness with God. The Bible teaches so much about that and yet we hear so little about that. Uh, you know, from pulpits and, and classrooms in, in churches today. And that's sad to me because this is at the heart of God. And so let me keep going, then we'll come back. Conform to the image of a son that he might, Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And that word justified there means just as if I'd never sinned. Just as if I'd never sinned. Remember, I'm going to say this over and over again. Father's desire for you and me is to, is to always, uh, uh, has always been to treat you and me like our sin never happened. To treat you and me like our sin never happened. And the blood of Jesus affords him that luxury. Now, a lot of people really, really, really get hung up on these words predestined. If something is predestined, that means the destiny was established beforehand. The destiny was established beforehand. This was something that God decided before he ever created you and me. And when we get to the section about salvation and the new birth, we'll look at it. But the Bible teaches that Jesus had already agreed to go to the cross and die for us before God created Adam. He was the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. So that was not plan B. That was all a part of God's plan concerning you and me. So whom he foreknew, meaning who he knew, whom he knew beforehand. And remember, we looked at the verse last week. We won't go back to it. But you were given purpose and grace in Christ Jesus before time began, right? So when it says whom he foreknew, is there a human being on planet earth that God does not know or did not know before they came uh, through their mother's womb into the earth? The answer to that question is absolutely not. So it's not, we get so hung up on this because we focus in on one word and try to take that word out of context and, and create some kind of doctrine or teaching or denomination uh, you know, based upon uh, this one word. And we miss, and that's the way the Holy Spirit tries, I'm, forgive me, the Holy Spirit brings correction. It's the enemy who tries to confuse us uh, and get us you know, uh, looking at one little thing and miss the bigger picture of what God is saying here. And what he's saying is, whom he foreknew, he predetermined. 
to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, God's desire for us before he ever created a single one of us was for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus himself, that Jesus then might be the firstborn among many brethren. He's referred, Jesus is referred to as the only begotten son of God. Okay, but he's not the only begotten anymore because I've been begotten. You've been begotten. We've all been born uh, of his word, born of his spirit, born from above. And so now Jesus' title is the firstborn among many brethren. So whom he predestined, he called, whom he called, he justified, whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, we'll, we'll, we will come back to these verses. I'm not, I'm not trying to teach extensively on them right now. The reason I refer, them, I refer you to them or, or point these out to you is to reinforce the point that Jesus came to make us like himself. Jesus came to make us like himself. Jesus came to assimilate himself into us, to make you and me similar to him. And this was a part of the plan from before the beginning. Okay? Now, let's go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, because this is another one of those verses in the Bible that, uh, again, it, it, it freaks people out. They, they don't know what to do with it. Uh, and, and one of the reasons it freaks them out and they don't know what to do with it is because they're, they're thinking down here and God's thinking up here. Okay? They're, they're thinking on a, on a very low uh, level, and God's thinking on a very high level. All right, so look at this verse right here. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, capital H, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Now, I didn't write this. Are you hearing me? I, I didn't write this. It, it, it wasn't like I told God, look, you either create me to be like Jesus or you don't create me at all. I, I didn't negotiate this deal. I didn't insist on this. Okay. And, and one of the mistakes that we make, and this is another thing you'll hear me say over and over again, is one of the mistakes that we make is we try to understand these things from our perspective instead of God's. We try to make sense of these things based upon what we think it means, what we think we are worthy of, what we think it ought to be, instead of what God says it is. Okay, And so watch this now. If God says, I'm, I'm going to create you because my desire for you is for every one of you to be as Jesus is to me, for you to be conformed into the image of Jesus so that he's not the only son that I have, but that he's the firstborn among many sons and daughters. Okay, That was Father's heart. That's what he desired. That's what he wanted. Amen. Are you following me? Now, the greatest advice... The greatest advice you could ever give anybody is this. Are you ready? You might want to write this down. Agree with God and agree with Him quickly. Agree with God and agree with Him quickly. Okay? Now, if we're talking about you and another person or me and another person, right? There may be times that I'm right about, you know, an opinion or they're right about an opinion or they're partially right and I'm, I'm partially right or what have you. But let me, let me just go ahead and tell you, okay, when it comes to you and God, when it comes to me and God, He is always right. He is always right. Amen. And so He is not going to do you any favors uh, by agreeing with you. Are you following me? In other words, if, if you disagree with Him... And you want him to give in and agree with you, all right? That's not going to turn out any way, shape, or form like you want it to turn out, okay? So I'm going to say it again. The greatest advice that I could ever give anybody is agree with God and agree with him quickly. If he says you're righteous, if he says you're free, if he says you're healed, if he says you're prosperous, if he says you're smart, 
If he says you're wise, if he says you're strong, are you hearing me? Don't argue with him. Just agree with him. And see, that, that comes back to faith, right? Faith being uh, the ability to see things as they truly are, not as they appear to be. Well, it, it, it sure does look like, it sure does seem like, it sure does feel like. Well, the devil's hoping that you keep living your life based upon the way things look, seem, and feel, as opposed to the way they truly are, according to who? According to what, according to what God said, right? I heard a, a pastor preaching today, and uh, he was actually talking about his mother, and uh, a friend of his, um, the, the history, the family history uh, in um, uh, that man's family was the, the men died young from heart problems. And this man was already starting to have heart issues. He was a pastor. He was already starting to have heart issues, I think, in his mid-30s. And so uh, he went to, uh, it was Kenneth Copeland's mother. He went to Kenneth Copeland's mother. She was a, a homeopathic doctor, but also a, a mighty woman of, of God, a mighty woman of faith. And so she said, she set him down there in her office and she says, um, I want you to tell me the truth about your heart. And he, get, he started giving her the whole story about um, my family this and my family that. She goes, no, 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 no. I want you to tell me the truth about your heart. He looked at her kind of funny, right? So he started the whole story over again. Third time she said, that's not the truth. If you want to know the truth about your heart, look in Isaiah 53. Okay. Now you say, well, what, what in the world? Isaiah 53 says that, among other things, Jesus, prophetically, and we know now it's fulfilled in Christ, he took, did I just sell over some of your heads? Are you still with me? Yes, no, maybe. All right, praise God. So when God, when, when God let me step off that for a second, I'll come back to it, okay? When, um, when it was time to go to the promised land, and I... And, some of you have heard me teach before. I like to simplify things so that people can understand them, but also so that you can relate to them and take the ball and run with it for yourself. And so when God brought the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, the Bible says he brought them out so they could bring them in. He brought them out of slavery so that he could bring them in to their promised land. And I like to try to simplify for you and me as our promised land being our best life, our promised land being our best life. Now, if you know, and there's different ways that we can relate to this, but in Egypt, they, they were in a land of not enough. In the wilderness, they were in a land of barely enough. But now God is wanting to bring them into their best life where they have more than enough. Amen. And he wants to do the same thing for you and me. He wants to take you out of a place of not enough through the place of barely enough into the land of more than enough. That's why I say often that's why I say often, maybe you'll remember me saying this, one of the greatest threats, one of the greatest enemies to your best life is going to be a better life. When things start getting a little bit better, we start kind of letting our foot off the gas and stop cooperating with God. We stop agreeing with God. We stop diligently seeking uh, his best life for us. Okay, But now, if you understand, in the land of barely enough, they ate manna and they drank water. And uh, on, on one occasion... Uh, they griped and complained for some meat, and, and, uh, and God fed them quail, okay? Um, but now it's time to go into the promised land. And if you have read it carefully, you see that when it was time to go into the promised land and take what God said was theirs, the manna ceased, but it was harvest time. Come on, now stay with me because you need to hear this. Some of you really need to hear this. It was harvest time. It's gonna number one. It's gonna it's it's, it's gonna open your eyes to some things that 
that God's already speaking to you. I'm just going to give you another way of looking at it. Okay, so just stay with me. It was harvest time in the, in the land of Canaan. He, God didn't bring them there when it was time to plant, right? He brought them there when it was, when it was time to harvest. I kind of relate to that when, when the pilgrims came to this country, right, in that first winter. If it hadn't been for the, the, the Native Americans, they'd all starve to death because they didn't come at, at the right time, so to speak. And so, but God's timing is perfect. So he brings them to the promised land, and it's harvest season in the promised land, which means there is food plenty like they haven't seen in 40 years, okay, out in front of them. So the manna stops, the manna stops, and it's time to cross over and go into their best life. But now watch this. In order for them to go to their best life, their diet has to change. What they've been eating has to change, okay? They've got to step it up a notch, all right? And so in some ways, just hear me now. I'm, I'm, not, trying to, uh, I'm not trying to be prideful. I, I just want you to hear what I'm saying, okay? See, I think I'm talking to people... You know, who are in a class at five o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, I believe I'm talking to people who want to go to the next level in, in the things that God has for them. I, I, I think I'm talking to people who are, are interested and, and have come to the realization uh, that there's more to living for God than they understand and have understood and experienced up to this point. And they're interested in moving into those uh, next levels. And maybe you've come out of not enough and, and living in barely enough and you're ready for more than enough. Okay. But see, now watch this your diet's got to change. Your, your diet's got to change. And I, and I don't just mean, um, you know, crackers and, and, and taters. I'm talking about your spiritual diet. What you've been feeding on from God's Word uh, has, has got to change, all right? Now, I represent the one who came to set the captives free. And, and, and part of what I'm on this earth to do uh, is to help other people go to that next level. And I, and I don't mean to trivialize by using a terminology like a next level, okay? But I, I'm, here to, I'm here to help you uh, make progress in, in the fulfillment of your purpose and destiny in Father's kingdom here on the earth. And I've learned from my own experience right? That if that's going to happen, then my diet has to change. Amen. In other words, I, I, I need to eat and ingest more of God's word. I need to ingest. In, 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 when I say ingest, I'm talking about in my mind. I need to spend more time meditating on God's word. I need to spend more time praying, praying in, in, in the Holy Spirit, in unknown tongues, and things of this nature, right? So we're, we're maybe a little too quick, but let me give you one more example in this, okay? Um, I know my multiplication tables today because someone, when I was younger, placed a demand on my potential to know them, all right? And so the potential that every person listening to me right now possesses is a gift from God. And your potential is what you're capable of doing but haven't done yet, what you're capable of becoming but haven't experienced yet, what, what you're capable, inward reality is a new birth, becoming an outward expression of life. So things that are in you right now but have not yet uh, been given expression to in your outward life reality. And, and so in the same way, if, if you never submit yourself to someone God places in your life to, to begin to place that demand on the potential that you have, Right, uh, then that potential will will never be developed. It'll never be uh, released from you. So, I'm not just here to tell you things that you already know, but also I'm not here to be controversial. 
you understand what I mean by that? There, there, there are some pastors, and I'm not their judge, but, but it seems like preachers and teachers that they just are looking for the wow factor, and they're just trying to come up with the next greatest thing to impress everybody and, and shock everybody and that sort of thing. And th- that's not what I'm, I'm here to do, okay? Uh, so this idea of, of being stretched, do you understand what I mean by that? That's another way placing a demand on your potential, uh, being stretched. For some of you, you know, sitting in a class uh, this long is, is stretching you. It's stretching your attention span. It's stretching your uh, physical endurance, your mental endurance, your emotional endurance, your spiritual endurance, okay? Um, but again, we have a word for that. It's called growth. This is, this is how we grow. This is how we develop. This is how we learn. Now, I want you to understand everything I say, all right? And I'm going to work really hard with the Holy Spirit and, and the you know, many years that I've taught this class and the many questions that I've had and, and, and ways that the Lord has shown me to explain things to you, all right? But I don't want to talk way over your head, okay? But I, I want to talk just enough to kind of keep stretching you a little bit. Do you understand what I mean by that, okay? Um, so, like, I had a man tell me one time, he, he was a part of this church, and he went and visited uh, a, a church with his family, where his family goes, and, uh, and he was kind of real blunt, and I, and I don't mean this to sound judgmental, but, um, you know, I was, I was just talking to him about the service and all that stuff, He's, I, and he goes, he goes, man, he says, the whole sermon was, was uh, just on not lying. He said, and, and you look, it's good, but, I, you know, I knew not to lie when I was a kid. Okay, now listen, does that mean we ignore what the Bible says about not lying? No, but if I just talked to you for an hour and a half about not lying, well, I mean, you knew that before you came through that door over there. Right. Okay. So I don't. I'm not going to talk so far over your head that it's like, what is he talking about? Okay. But I am, and that's part of this assignment. That's part of what these classes are about. Is I'm. I'm wanting to stretch you, being led by the Holy Spirit, not me. Ultimately, He's the teacher, but to to stretch you. And and so, in addition to uh, me trying to and hope that every person listening to me understands everything I say the minute I say it, that's not going to happen. Some of you already. And I know this by experience, and I know this by faith, and I know this by the Holy Spirit. Some of you, it wasn't until a day or so later that all of a sudden it's like, oh, I see it now, right? I see some of you smile and say it. So I didn't understand it when he first said it, but now I do, right? So um, the, these are the things that are involved in, in this class. Now, with that, please hear me. With that, there are things that I'm going to say that not everybody's going to agree with. And, 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 and when I say that's okay... I don't mind you disagreeing with me, but you're not doing yourself any favors disagreeing with what the Word of God says, all right? And so you say, well, you know, people have different opinions about the Bible. Well, God doesn't have a different opinion about the Bible. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a different opinion about the Bible. And there are, there are things like, for instance, predestination. Some of you probably heard this doctrine of predestination. What, what that says in Scripture is that God determined before He ever created a single one of us that He wanted every one of us to, to be conformed to the image of his son. Hebrews says it this way, that God does not give aid to angels, but he, he gave aid to you and me. When Lucifer fell and took a third of the angels with him, we have no record of God. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that no help was offered. God didn't even ask him if he wanted to, to, to work it out and come back. Okay, When we fell, he sent Jesus to die for us, to give us the opportunity to come back without any, without any guarantee that we would. Again, 
What, what does that say to you and me about his heart for us, his plans for us, his desire for us, his purpose for us? Created by God to be conformed into the image of his son. Okay? And so when we come to these controversial type things, it's very easy. And now listen to me. It's very easy for you to just say, well, you know, I don't know about that stuff. I'll just go. But see, again, perhaps it's some of the things that God has been trying to speak to you throughout your life, right, that you've just dismissed or you've said, I don't know about, okay? I'm not sure about that. I don't know if that's for me or what have you. Maybe that's the one thing that, that you've been missing. That's the one thing that you need the most, okay? So, like, for example, if you've been born again, if you've been born again, amen, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. Now, some of you are like, yes, amen. Some of you are like, oh, my goodness, as soon as he turns his head, I'm running. Okay? No, no, don't, don't, don't run. I'm not, I'm not fixing to grab you by the head or start pouring oil on you and, and, and all that other stuff. But, see, again, the devil has stolen the devil has stolen the baptism of the Holy Spirit from so many of God's people with lies about it not being up for today, that it ended with the apostles. You realize when it happened that Peter preached and he said, this is what Joel prophesied. It's being poured out now. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for your children's children. And it's for as many as the Lord our God shall call. Right now, people say, "Well, well, but Pastor Mark, when when we're when we're born again, we we receive the Holy Spirit." Yes, you do. You absolutely do. You can't even call Jesus Lord without the Holy Spirit. And when you are born again, God puts a new spirit in you. He puts His spirit in you, and your new spirit and the Holy Spirit become one spirit. Okay. And there were a whole bunch of people in the Book of Acts who had been born again but had not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay. So again, I'm not talking about denominational positions. I'm not talking about uh, you know what one Bible college teaches versus another Bible college. I'm not, I'm not here to debate or argue any of that. I'm I'm here to explain to you what the Bible says. All right, but let me tell you what else I'm here. I'm also here to tell you what I've experienced, what I have experienced personally in my own life, and the difference that it has made in my own life. Okay, I, I, there's a brother, and the Lord's brought him into my life on two separate occasions. And we have these long discussions, okay? And, and it's, okay. it's all right. Amen. I love this brother. I'm trying to help this brother. He's struggling with errors in his life. But here's the thing. He, he knows more about these things than I do. And he's been, he's been in the Word and in, in, in the things of God for about 10 minutes, okay? <laughs> and I'm just trying to tell him, look, do you think I'm lying to you? You know? Do you, I mean, do you think, I mean, in other words, I'm not... I'm telling you what I've experienced. I'm telling you a position. I'm not here to argue doctrine with you. I'm not here to tell you, uh, you know, this and that and nitpick the scriptures. and all. I'm not, That's not what I'm about. I'm here to tell you this is what the Bible says. This is what it's, I'm experiencing in my life. This is the difference that it's making. This is how it's increasing me in every area, in every dimension of my existence. Amen. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? Okay. So... Um, I was raised Southern Baptist. I was raised that not only was it was baptism of the Holy Spirit not for today. I was I was uh, we were told in our church that speaking in tongues was of the devil. And that's how that ought to tell you one thing right there. How scared the devil is of a tongue talking, spirit filled, born again man or woman. He it terrorizes him. 
So the greatest prophet born of a woman, his name is John the Baptist. Jesus said he's the greatest prophet born of a woman. He prophesied. He said, Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world and to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir, in the back. In unknown tongues? Sorry? In unknown tongues, prayer language? Yeah, you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, sir, brother. No, see, again, that's a, a lot of people believe that. You've got to be slain in the Spirit. You gotta, and, and religion comes up with all these things. And you see, in this, you see in the book of Acts that sometimes they laid hands on people. Sometimes they prayed for people. Sometimes they were just all in prayer and, and, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So watch this. Let me... I had no intention of talking about all this, but I'd rather be led by the Spirit than follow uh, a pattern of notes, okay? Amen? Rather, you know, it's going to have to change the title slide yet again, all right? Okay. <laughs> it's all right. We, amen. I make the plans, the Lord does the leading, okay? Amen. All right. So watch this now. And it's so simple. Watch. So, see, people get offended at this. He don't think I'm saved. He don't think I'm spiritual. No, see, not saying any of that. The devil's putting those thoughts in your mind. The devil is the, is the accuser. He is the one, again, who is absolutely terrified of the idea of God's people stepping into the full measure, the fullness of what God has for them. And remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power from on high. You will receive a supernatural enabling to live the life. That was my older brother. That was his deal. He wasn't going to be a hypocrite. And he didn't believe that he could live for God. And so rather than even try, he just went the other direction. Right? But again, there was no life and peace in that. He was miserable in that. And so he came home from, you know, it was a Sunday night actually, but he had a date after church on Sunday night. Him, his girlfriend, he comes home. Mom and dad are still up. Me and my baby sister are already, you know, upstairs in bed. And he comes home. He just, like, starts spilling his guts. He's like, look, I'm not living right. Y'all know it. I'm not trying to hide it from you. I don't, I'm not. He said, and I want to live for God, but, but I can't. I, I don't have the ability. And that's why my mom and dad said, well, look, you, you, you can't. But if you let the Holy Spirit give you the power to do it, you can. And he was baptized in the Holy Spirit that night. And, and again, he's, he's a praise and worship leader, a prophet. But I'm just, again, I'm, I'm trying to show you that there, there are things that, that will stretch us that, that, that are beyond. When I say beyond, I don't mean out of reach or, out, or anything like that. I'm just saying beyond what we have experienced up until this point, amen, that God has for us to step up into. Notice what I said, step up into. So here's a simple thing. If you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not about you getting um, more of the Holy Spirit. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is about the Holy Spirit getting more of you. It's about you surrendering to Him in a deeper, more profound way. And of course, we know what the Bible says about the tongue. If you can control the tongue, you can control the whole body. The most powerful member of your whole body is your mouth. Amen. It's the rudder of the ship of your life. It's the bit of the horse in your life, so to speak, right? And so when you understand what the Bible teaches about the power of our words, it will make a lot more sense to you why the greatest surrender that we have to the Holy Spirit is to surrender to Him, to allow Him to pray through us with words that can't be uttered in articulate speech. Amen. Please say it loud.
verses, you're full of the Holy Spirit, and you're praying in tongues, which the devil doesn't have a clue what you're saying. And the Bible tells us that you're praying out answers for your life, for other people's lives, and mysteries of God. Which one do you think the devil wants you to be doing? He wants you to be whining and complaining and crying to God about your problems, not praying out mysteries and answers that God, the Holy Spirit, is praying through. Amen. Anybody here in your job ever been like a helper? Uh, like I, I helped a guy when he was a bricklayer. He was the he was the mason. I was the helper. I was the dude that mixed the the cement and uh, the the mortar and you know carried the brick and all that stuff. Helper, right? Helper. Somebody that that their whole assignment in life is to help the person above them succeed. And what do, do you realize? Like it's capital H, but Jesus identified the Holy Spirit as a helper. He's here, to, he's here to help. You have to understand the heart and the nature. And that comes back to learning of God. Because this is, this is where, um, again, his desire is to help you. Yes, sir, real loud, real quick. Amen. Amen. And and I, you know, I'm sitting here. The, the devil's like, and I, I know him. He's a liar. I rebuke him. I bind him. Uh, normally, it's about class eight or nine before before this is even mentioned. Here we are, class three. Somebody in here is pulling this out of me. I don't. In other words, it's it's a it's a demand being placed on the understanding that I have, and somebody's got questions and all. But anyway, um, so the the bigger picture, though, of what I'm trying to show you is that God has more for us that He wants us to step up into. But remember now. He's not the great cowboy. He's the great shepherd. A cowboy drives cattle. A shepherd leads sheep. And Jesus can only lead you as far as your trust in Him will allow. And so people get afraid. They, 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 they get uh, anxious. Um, they start having all these uh, you know, religious lies and things in their head. And Jesus is like, come on. Come on, it's okay, honey. Come on, come on, big guy. It's all right. And we're like, man, I'm, this is as far as I'm going right now because that's as far as our trust in Him will allow Him to lead us. He's not going to get behind you and shove you, right? But if He's going to try to lead you and draw you. And this circles back around to learning of Him. When you, when you spend time with Him on a daily basis, fellowshipping with Him and experiencing Him, you, that trust... I know this may sound like the most simple thing you'll ever hear me say, but, but listen, please, please listen to this. Please hear this. The only way you will ever learn to trust Jesus is to trust Him. You, 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 there's no other way. How do you know if you can trust another person or not? You don't until you trust them and find out if you're ever going to do it again. Amen. Right? Amen. And so this is, again, where we have to take that step of faith. We, we, this is what God said. This is what the Spirit's leading us to do. And, and we're going to trust. And, and it's, that's back to the yoke. That's learning of Him, walking alongside 
uh, he, let me tell you how much. Let me tell you how much Jesus trusted the Father. He allowed them to kill him, trusting that his Father, based upon what was said through the prophet David, David was a king, priest, and a prophet, that God wouldn't leave his soul in hell, but that He would bring him back. And and so, you know, again, Jesus knows a thing or two about trusting His Father, and He is uh, more than willing to teach you and me how to do it as well. Praise God. But if, we, if we're just going to splash around in what we already know and what we've already done and what we already have and what we've already experienced and not be willing, I'm not, I'm not telling you to, to just, because Pastor Mark said it's what we're going to do. No, I'm here to show you what the Bible says. And I'm here to show it to you in at least two, if not three, or in some cases, 15 places that the Bible says it. Right? Not just, well, you know, I read in a book. that this, No, I'm talking about the capital T book, capital B, the Bible. All right? So notice now, the point, I'm, let me show you how we've layered this. Luke 640, disciples not above his teacher, but everyone who's perfectly trained by his teacher will be like his teacher, will be, will be assimilated and, and made similar to and like his teacher. Well, oh, that's cool, but that kind of sounds bizarre to me, Pastor Mark. Well, maybe so until you start seeing that the plan has always been for us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. That 1 John four seventeen says, Love's perfected among us that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Now, we will get back around to this and we will spend a whole lot of time because the Bible's got a lot more to say about this than what I'm showing you right now. Okay. Yes? Yes? You coming back? Not scaring you off? Okay. Amen. All right. Amen. So let me, let me tell you this. Praise God. And as it relates to being baptized in the Holy Spirit, all right? I know that some of you in this room, you have uh, men and women who are your counselors. Talk to them about that. Ask them about that. Get them to pray with you about that. But you, you do not necessarily have to have someone laying hands on you and praying for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You, you get in prayer and worship and as the Holy Spirit begins to the Bible says he will, he will be like a fountain springing up from inside of you and when 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 that pressure starts building inside of you some of you've been so close some of you like holding back and not everybody in here has had that experience but some some people in here have had that experience where it's almost like man you know I don't even know what to say next and but that sounds crazy what's coming out of me right now okay again um, doesn't come from your head comes from your belly out of your belly will flow rivers of living water and, and, and yield to that. But you've got to understand, and this is one of the biggest hiccups and hang-ups people have when it comes to yielding to the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to fill them to overflowing and, and, um, and then begin to speak in tongues, is that it's going to be you that speaks. He's not going to throw you down and take control of your mouth and just start speaking through you. It's a, it's a cooperative effort. And again, the beauty of that is that's, is that's what God's always desired to have with you is, is for you and him to work together and flow together in harmony. That's back to the yoke, right? Flowing together, working together in harmony. Amen, Romy. All right. So we, we looked at this established pattern. Come and I'll give, learn and you will find. Come and I'll give, and that learn, remember learn there is discipleship, discipleship, and you'll find Manthano, and, and you will find. And so discipleship then is Father's way of bringing his children to the knowledge of the truth. Discipleship is Father's way of bringing his children to the knowledge of the truth. Now, this next verse, um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, we could look at a bunch of verses here. If you'll notice, this one begins with a lowercase w, the word who. And, of course, he's speaking of God. 
And God is the one who desires, watch this very carefully now, He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He desires all men, and that's men who have a womb. Also, we call men who have a womb, womb men, women, okay? So we're not talking about the male gender here. We're talking about mankind. Amen, are you still with me? So He desires men who have a womb and men who do not have a womb, okay? You still with me? Amen. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, I used to read this verse backwards. And man, one day, a bunch of years ago, it just, I finally saw it. Okay. And what I mean by reading it backwards was that I understood it this way, that you come to the knowledge of the truth and you get saved. Yes, sir. Okay. If this is for a different Okay. Yes. I'm quite confused on understanding like a prayer language and it's you and God yes. conversation. But like when people are doing it publicly, what if like from my understanding, it's if it can't be interpreted, then it's not necessarily speaking in tongues, right? Well, it could be speaking in tongues, but the person's just out of line. You see what I'm saying? In other words, he said the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. It's what was happening in the Corinthian church is you know, this is a newly established church. It's exploding, and the Holy Spirit is moving. And so they would come together to try to have a, a worship service, a time of worshiping God and learning and growing together, which is appropriate place for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. But you would have person after person after person standing up, giving out messages in tongues. Some of those would be interpreted. Some would not be. Some would not even be given time to be interpreted for another person. And it almost kind of became this competition thing. And so the Apostle Paul is bringing correction in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. Of course, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, and so I call that a scripture sandwich, right? you got gifts of the Spirit, love, gifts of the Spirit, and obviously love being what has to rule in our hearts, right? Okay, so he's bringing correction, but if, if you read all those words very carefully, he's, he's also saying, look, I'm not telling you to not use your prayer language, okay? I'm just saying that when you're in public, like a public setting like this, for instance, if all I did was stand in front of you and speak in tongues, I mean, at some point you guys are like, well, I guess we'll just get us another pack of crackers and go home because I have no idea what he's saying, right? So, um, and, and so, but that was what was happening you know, in the Corinthians church. And so, I, I, and I, I will talk about this as long as I had questions and I understand questions, okay? And because there's all kinds of things out there where scriptures are taken out of context and, and then doctrinal laws are laid down and it has to be this way and so forth and so on. So this is, what, this is how I explain it um, over and over and over again. Um, there, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gives the gifts and the gifts have different administrations or different ways that they're used. So the gift of unknown tongues is used in three different ways, okay, that we know of, all right, three different ways. The first one is what we see in Acts chapter 2. This is when someone by the Holy Spirit speaks in a language that they do not know that somebody else does, okay. And I know of people, that's never personally happened to me, but I know of people that that um, has happened to, like someone in an elevator 
that the Holy Spirit moved on them and they shared Jesus to someone in Chinese and that person gets born again, okay? Um, there's another dear, dear friend of mine. She used to be a counselor at the foundry. She was in Peru and her interpreter, translator, you know, so she could speak. She didn't know uh, Spanish, I guess, in Peru um, or Peruvian or whatever it is. I don't know the language in Peru, but mother tongue in Peru. But again, it was in one of those situations where somebody was desperate in need and the Holy Spirit enabled her to communicate supernaturally that way. Because that's number one. Number two is um, the second application would be, um, let's say, the Holy Spirit moved on Marty uh, to speak a word to all of us from the heart of God. And he stood up and he gave up message in unknown tongues okay and then um, the bible teaches that someone then needs to interpret that or else nobody knows what the holy spirit is saying okay so and if there is no interpreter then it comes back to marty since he delivered the message it's he's the one who needs to seek god and interpret what it is and that's why the bible says in this case um, one gift the gift of prophecy uh, takes the place of the two so that would be a gift of prophecy would be when the Lord speaks to Marty to say something to us and instead of it coming through tongues and interpretation of tongues, he stands and just speaks it in the language. In our case, it would be English for everyone else to know. Y'all still with me? Okay. Then there's the third application. The third, the third application for the gift of unknown tongues is the prayer language. Okay. And the prayer language is for everybody all the time. Okay, um, the the other operations of the gift of the Spirit are as the Holy Spirit wills. So as Paul is bringing this correction about unknown tongues, he keeps saying over and over again, "Listen, I speak in tongues more than all of you put together." Okay, and he wasn't exaggerating when he said that. So you've got a church of thousands that's that's like unknown tongues, almost out of control. And Paul says, "As much as all of you together speak in tongues, I speak in tongues more. But when I'm in a public setting, I would rather speak." The, the understandable language so that people can benefit and all, right? And that's the other key determining factor in any gift of the Spirit operating is that it's for the benefit of all, amen? Not for the, uh, not for the uh, promotion of one, you know, like look at me, look at what I'm doing, look at how spiritual I am. And I'm sure there was some of that going on. Now, here is, here is a classic situation that the devil uses. So I don't know if that helped. So think of a hammer. I, I use this example. A hammer is a tool. Um, most common use for a hammer is to drive a nail. Okay, But you can also turn a hammer around backwards and pull a nail. Or if you needed to knock a hole in a wall to get to some wiring or something in there. There's, so we're talking about one, one tool, different administrations. So one tool can be used different ways. And the same is true with uh, the gift of unknown tongues. Okay, And so the prayer language uh, is, uh, is such a, a, a key and critical thing. Some people are really sticklers on that, that it should never in public unless it's interpretation. But if you're with believers of common like faith in a prayer meeting or something like that, and there, and there are a lot of people in there who, who pray in the Spirit, I personally have no problem with it, and I don't feel like it grieves the Holy Spirit at all. Because again, the people in the room know what's going on in that situation, right? Um, it's not going to be like a bunch of folks, first-time visitors, you know, in that room, and all of a sudden people are speaking, oh, what are these people doing? But remember, see, this is the other thing that, the, that we missed that Paul said. He said the unknown tongue is a sign for the unbeliever. And the world, think about how, how crazy, and I don't know if that's the right word, how crazy the world is for supernatural things. I mean, when's the last time you tried to watch Smithsonian Channel and saw all these 
you know, supernatural, ghost haunted. The world is, is fanatical about these things, right? So people are curious about the supernatural. And, and, and the world is doing a, a, I hate to give them credit, but the world's doing a pretty good job of drawing people to the supernatural dark side of things. And the church is sitting around like, well, you know, we don't want to embarrass anybody around here, you know, and, and, and make people uncomfortable or whatever. And, and, and I think miss a lot of opportunities uh, for God to, uh, to work. Uh, and demonstrate himself uh, in, uh, in in people's lives. So uh, so yeah, I'd, and I, pre- I appreciate the question. We, we could I mean, we could do two or three classes on this and not cover it all. There's a lot, a lot, a lot to it. Um, I guess the point that um, and I, I know some of you know me better than others, and, and and that's okay. I don't. I'm not trying to put myself in a position in your life or give myself a place in your life that you haven't given me. And I'm not speaking to you. I'm just I'm just anybody listening to me. People listening to me online right now. Um, but the most powerful, um, the most, the most powerful story you can ever tell anybody is your story. What what he's done for you, um, and what you've experienced, because that's the one you're going to tell with the most sincerity, the one you're going to tell with the most conviction, and the, and the one that 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 that's going to touch people's hearts. Okay, I'm not, I'm not. Listen, please share the gospel. We talked about this in class, I think, on Tuesday, right? The, the power of God and the salvation is in the word of God. So, you know, this idea of preach the gospel and if necessary, use words, that's baloney there. You've got to share the words because the power is in the words that brings the salvation, okay? So certainly tell people what the Bible says. I'm not, I'm not telling you to don't do that. But, but again, um, you know, tell people what you've experienced tell people what god's done for you tell people the joy i mean don't lie but i mean if you've got joy in your life because of him tell them about that if if you struggle with anxiety and now um you have peace in your life tell people that uh because the world is looking for something that works the world's looking for diets that work they're looking for medicines that work they're looking for programs that work they're looking for something that works and we have something that works Amen. And when you find something that works, right, you want to tell other people. I, oh, really? Uh, I had that same trouble with my car. Let me tell you what worked for me. Let me tell you, I, I put this fuel cleaner in there and it cleaned out my, you know, my car sounded just like that till I cleaned out the fuel injector. You know, so what, I'm just being silly, but I, again, people want to know what works and there's nothing more powerful than firsthand experiential testimony. I did this. This is what it did for me. This is how it helped me. This is what it changed in, in, in my life. Okay. And so, you know, again, I was raised Southern Baptist and when uh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit on a, on a Sunday night and, um, and it I say it this way, the Holy Spirit kind of snuck up on me. Um, we were new to this church. I think I shared the story about when the Lord spoke to my mother about you've got to get your family to a church where they believe in the fullness of my spirit. And so my mom and dad had made that move. It was a difficult move for me. I was very involved in the church that I was a part of. Um, and I love them folks. To this day, I love them folks. And, and the things that I learned from them, it's very, again, I'm not, I'm not here to judge anybody. Don't misunderstand me, okay? Um, and so we... You know, we made that that shift, and um, and a lot of the young people had been to camp. I didn't go to camp. I was still kind of trying to figure all this stuff out. And there were other young people that didn't go to camp. Well, they, that group of young people came back from camp, man. They were fired up, you know, youth camp, Bible camp. And um, and so a lot of the ones that didn't go to camp were down at the altar that night, and they were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they were speaking in tongues. Well, I'm, I am at least the tied for the most curious person in this room, okay, I am curious. You got to ask my wife. You don't believe I am a curious dude. Okay, I, 
try not to be nosy, but I'm curious. All right, so I was curious about this. I'd heard about this. I'd heard it was of the devil, and I'm fixing to get me some proof that this church is of the devil, and we're fixing to get out of here back to the church where I was comfortable, right? So anyway, I slipped down to the front row, and I'm watching, and I knew it wasn't of the devil. It's too beautiful to be of the devil. There's no way that what I'm seeing is devil, right? This is, this, I don't understand it, but this is amazing, right? What I didn't know is there was this guy who was fixing to go to Bible college, uh, Raymond Bible Training Center. He was sitting in the choir. And he saw me sit on the front row there watching all this happen. And, and tears begin to stream down my cheeks. Well, I'm not paying attention to this guy. But he slips out of the choir in his choir robe. He comes down, sits down on the front row beside me, and puts his arm around me and just begins to pray for me. And I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, initial evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. All right. So the next, this was summer, school was out. The next Monday morning, um, I, don't, I don't mean this disrespectful, but I, mean, I got blasted, dude. I'm just telling you. I got, I was blasted. I was um, I don't know what beer tastes like, but it's the closest I'll ever be in my life to hung over. I mean, I was like, man, my body, it was, I mean, in a good way. I don't mean it negative, but, you know, I was like, what happened to me? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, but loving it, every minute of it, right? And, uh, but my older brother, younger sister, you know, we had the neighborhood kids, and up the top of the hill, there was a, a Baptist family, Baptist pastor lived there with his children. We played with them every day, just about. Well, they went up there and told every kid in the neighborhood that I got baptized in the Holy Spirit last night at church and spoke in unknown tongues. Well, here comes the whole neighborhood crew, you know, marching down to my front door, you know, and call me out to tell me, watch this now, to tell me that what happened to me wasn't real. And, you know, I'm sitting here. I didn't know enough about the Bible to explain to them. I didn't know enough to tell them in the Bible. And, and, um, and I sissy custom, you know, and I, you know, what'd you say? If you prayed in tongues, what'd you say? I was, and I was getting frustrated. I told them, I don't know what the heck I said. That's what I call sissy custom. So, um, H-E-C-K, not H-E-double hockey stick. So I said, I don't know what the heck I said, you know, and I was getting up in the flesh and getting angry about it and all this stuff. But I learned something that day, okay? I learned that an experience beats an argument, an experience. So that goes back to what we were talking about, you know, this whole idea of so much of what we know is theoretical. But when it becomes empirical, when it becomes something you experience in God and it literally revolutionizes your life. Um, I was very young when I was born again. And I knew that something happened to me when I was born again. I could tell there was something different on the inside of me. I know it may sound corny, but the pastor's sermons didn't seem boring anymore. And again, it's because now I got the author of the Bible that he was preaching from inside of me. Um, church services didn't seem as long anymore when I was a little kid and got born again, okay? But I was more aware at 12 years old when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit of what what took place in, in my life and that it was, again, you know, enough cognitive ability to try to evaluate and analyze and what's different in me now. And uh, and it and it's, was remarkable then and continues to be so uh, to this day, life life changing. I, 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 you know, God is God, and I trust Him, and I believe in Him. But I, I really, I would probably be somewhere tonight practicing medicine. I wouldn't be standing here doing what, what I'm doing right now if I had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you say, well, well, that's kind of strong. What do you mean? Because again, that it's the Holy Spirit that makes Jesus real to you. It's the Holy Spirit that unlocks the, the, the mysteries of the Bible to you. It's the Holy Spirit who leads you and guides you into all truth. And, and I'm not saying you got to pray in tongues to be led or guided into all truth. I'm not saying that, okay? But it was, the, it was when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit was when I became 
significantly and seriously aware of him in my life, in his presence in my life. Up until that point, I'm not saying that I, I, he was in me. I was born again. I would have went to heaven if I died. It's just a whole you know, crazy thing that everybody says. But I would have. I know that. 100% know that. Okay, But um, he became so real to me, and then he made God so real to me. Um, and um, it, so it was life-changing, I guess. This is the best way I know how to say it. It was life-changing for me. Um, now, I'm, I'm kind of one of those folks, and I'm well aware that some of them, you know, some of my former pastors that I have so much love and respect for, they may be watching me right now, okay? Uh, I actually had one tell me not too long ago that he was, and I, and I love him, and I'm thankful. Please don't misunderstand me. Thankful, thankful, thankful. Um, but, you know, what happened for me was all the things that my Baptist brothers and sisters taught me about salvation, okay? Um, when I, but they also taught me that the, what did Jesus come to do? Take away your sin, baptize you, hold that thought, brother. Take away your sin, baptize you in the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. And so um, my Baptist brothers taught me about him take away my sin, but they told me baptizing the Holy Spirit wasn't for today. So then I go over to my Pentecostal brothers, and they say, yes, the Holy Spirit is for today. Baptizing the Spirit is for today, and I was baptizing the Holy Spirit. And so I, that pendulum for me tended to swing all the way over. And my, my Pentecostal brothers believed completely different about salvation than my Baptist brothers did, right? And, that, and so, you know, I found myself uh, in uh, uh, my uh, late 20s, one confused puppy, okay? Um, and, and so that's when I told you I didn't think I'd ever be in the ministry again. I didn't think I would ever do what I'm doing right now again. But I wanted to know the truth, not so I could preach it or teach it to anybody else, but so that me and my wife could teach the truth to my children so they wouldn't be as confused as I was about these things. And so I, I'm not, I don't mean this arrogantly or anything like that. I love you. I'm here to help you. I'm not, af I'm not afraid of your questions. If I don't know the answer, I, we will find it. Me and you will get on, the knee, on our knees and pray and, until the Holy Spirit reveals it to us because God wants us to know. The devil is the one who doesn't want us to know. The devil is the one who wants us to always question and, and wonder, well, what about this? What about that? No, the righteous are as bold as a lion. God needs boldness in, in his people. But as long as we're questioning and second-guessing and not knowing and what-ifing and all this other stuff, it's, it's going to hinder our, our progress and our ability. Come on with it, brother. I'm sorry. I, I don't want you to think I was like, trying to challenge Not at all, brother. Don't think that at all. I've always stood on verse 12 that you know, since you're a zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel building up the church. And I'm not, obviously not going to try and look at God. But, you know, for me, and, until it happens, I'm not going to, it says be careful for self-edification. And so... So, all right, yeah, no, I, I got you on that. But see, what you're saying right there, though, is, is really, I guess, no offense, but it's kind of the heart and attitude that got me started down this road. However, I'm almost, I'm not even sure what time it is. Wow. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, no, 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 no. But, but again, see, <clears throat> I, I believe that you and everybody else is here and those watching online right now because... Um, I don't want to use your words against you, but, but I believe it's because you're just tired of sitting around waiting for something to happen. Okay. Is that fair enough? You know what I mean by that? Okay. And, and, and listen, I, under, I understand self-edification and all that stuff, but the Bible says to pursue love, but, but when it's talking about the edification of the church, 
he's talking about we are the church. You, you know what I'm saying? In other words, if my grandmother's in heaven and, and uh, she's something else, okay, my Mimi, and, um, and, <laughs> but she used to have this saying, right, like there would be something that needed to be done at the church and somebody would need maybe some food or somebody would maybe need some help or their car broken down or something like that. And my Mimi would just say this. She would say, well, let the church take care of that. Oh, okay, well, that sounds good. Well, yeah, just let the church take care of that. And finally one day my mother, my, my mother said to her mother, she said, Mother, who do you think the church is? <laughs> right? In other words, you know, we just got this whole like this you know, institution you know, it's going to get these people some food. It's going to help them fix their car. It's going to help us. No, we're the church. And so it's, it's, it's ultimately for you and I being built up, right? And so Jude says that when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you build yourself up. And there's nothing wrong with you building yourself up. There's nothing wrong. Because, see, the, the, more, the, the stronger I am, the stronger you are, the more effective we can be in helping other people. Let me say it another way. The more you're built up, the more I'm built up, the more effective we can be. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not trying to make anybody mad, but I'm just telling you straight up, um, you know, the, the, the greater awareness we have of the Holy Spirit leading us and speaking through us and praying through us, the more effective we are, the, the better equipped we are to minister to other people. Ask yourself this question. How many people did Jesus minister to before he got baptized in the Holy Spirit? And the answer is zero. Zero, right? So he's our example in all these things. He was supernaturally born from above, and then the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he was already in him, just like he's already in people who are born again. But he was baptized in water. Then the Holy Spirit descended upon him, right, and rested upon him and empowered him. So everything that Jesus did on this earth, whoo, I'm getting way ahead of myself now, okay? But everything Jesus did on this earth, he did as a man in right standing with God, full of the Holy Spirit. He had no unfair advantage. Everything available to Jesus, I'll show you this in the Bible if you think I'm crazy, but everything that was available to Jesus to fulfill his purpose and destiny in his Father's kingdom is available to you and me. Everything. There's nothing, there, there's the same love, that, the same glory. You realize that Jesus, Jesus, the glory that he operated under as a man on this planet to fulfill his Father's will for his life, Jesus, in John 17, he says, I'm now giving that glory to you and me. I see some of you like rolling your eyes. Praise the name of the living God. Okay. Y'all still with me? Yes. Am I losing you? Did we go too far too fast? You know, I mean, what's, during COVID, my daughter cut my hair. And, um, and she did a great job, okay, except for it would take her two hours. Or maybe longer than that, right? And because, again, she'd never cut hair before. She bought some clippers on Amazon and watched some YouTube videos. All right? And, uh, and I was looking, as my daddy says, I was looking shaggy. Amen. And um, so, but what, what was she doing? She didn't want to go too far too fast, right? She was, you know, she was, she was easing her way into the haircut, all right? And, and to be honest with you, normally we kind of ease our way into these things, and we've really kind of just dove in the deep end of the pool. Uh, and I don't want to scare anybody off, and I don't want to freak anybody out. Um, but again, I'm going to say it again. I believe that you guys and gals are here because you, you, you know there's more, you're interested in more, and whatever that may be. You know, for you and, and wherever you may be in your individual growth and development right now. Again, um, the Holy Spirit has a way of taking the Word of God and, and administering it to people wherever they are in their, in their growth and development. But let's go back to it, okay? 
I'm wanting to introduce you to things. I'm wanting to, to challenge you. And, and listen to me now, please. Um, I know some of you are here, you know, part of the ministry of the foundry. And when you finish the foundry, you'll be going back, you know, to other states, other places. You know, um, the most important decision I believe you'll ever make outside of being born again, that sort of thing, is the church you choose to attend and the pastor you choose to submit yourself to, right? Because, you know, what they speak into your life on a you know, daily, weekly basis is going to have a whole lot to do, right? And so you, you don't just, remember the Bible says that people in the last days, they'll look for preachers who'll tell them what they want to hear. You don't, you don't need to find a preacher who'll tell you what you want to hear. And you don't need one who gets in your face and all bombastic and hollering. I don't, I don't mean that either. But you, you need a, a, a pastor, servant leader, some of the heart of a servant in your life who believes in you and who is willing to consistently feed you a diet that challenges you, right, to, to learn and to grow and to develop and to study. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? This whole preacher, preacher, tickle my ear, tell me what I want to hear. Man, that ain't going to get us where we want to go, right? That's not going to get us where we want to go. And listen, I came out of my mother's womb looking for somebody to please. Okay, and that's one of the things I have to watch uh, against, right? Because I please people, tell them what they want to hear, and just blah, 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 and non-confrontational and all this stuff. But again, there, there are things that if we don't know them and we, and we don't understand them, if we've never experienced them, um, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, looking at these things differently, looking at these things closely, all right? But I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, Okay. You have to, I'm, I've used this expression and we see it, I think it's in First Peter, Second Peter. I don't have the exact verse in front of me right now. But you have to step up into the things of God. Amen. So I know, I, I hear your heart and I don't want you to think I'm just picking on you, but this whole idea of what well, hadn't happened yet, I don't, it, actually it has happened. Um, it happened and recorded in Acts chapter 2. And that was the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like, um, let, let me try to use this example. Um, it, it would be like somebody saying, well, that's not born again, saying, well, it hadn't happened, but, you know. No, see, to get born again, you have to hear what the Bible has to say, and then you have to act on what the Bible says by faith. And someone who just, who's saying, well, it hadn't happened to me yet, salvation hadn't happened to me yet, well, what does Jesus have to do for somebody to get saved tonight? Nothing. He's done everything that has to be done for somebody to get saved. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is drawing and wooing and working together with the Word and those men and women who share the Word with other people to, to draw us and to, and, to, and, to, and to pull us in. The same is true with anything else that God has for you, that He's done for you, that He's given to you. Amen. Um, you follow what I'm saying? So you, you have to step up into that. Now, for me, you say, well, it just happened to you, didn't it, Pastor Mark? Well, Again, I've been very serious. I'm not, I'm just telling you, I don't make me any better than anybody else, but I've been very serious about the things of God since I was a little kid. And I'd heard, I was curious, I was interested enough to move up to the front row, sit there, watch what was going on. And as I was watching what was going on, God was dealing with my heart. And I went from thinking something was of the devil to believing that it is for today. 
Now, if you'd asked me before that man ever came and prayed with me, then I think it was for everybody. Because see, that's the other lie the devil says. Well, it's, it is for today, but it's not for everybody. And we don't do it at our church because there's no interpreter. Well, see, again, uh, you know, <laughs> praise God, all right? So, but now watch this. See, so if you'd asked me if, if, if at that point, because see, notice, I went from it's for, it's for nobody, it's of the devil, to, well, it's obviously for somebody, and it's not of the devil. Notice how Father's moved me now. He's moved me from, it's of the devil, it's not for today, and why are we in this church? And my parents have lost their minds. Thank God they didn't listen to me because I've never, I've never like resisted. Again, I, did I mention I came out of a moment where I was looking for somebody to please, right? I've never resisted any decision my parents ever made, but I resisted that one. How dare you take me out of my church where I'm comfortable and I, my friends are. I cried. I'm not proud of that. You know, I'm, I'm pitching a fit. And my, I, my parents told me later that they almost said, you know what, we recognize God's got his hand on Mark and, and we're upset in his world. And they almost listened to me. Thank God they didn't listen to me. Thank God they didn't listen to me. All right. Um, so notice he's, he's moving me now from this is of the devil to it's obviously not of the devil and it's maybe not for everybody, but it's at least for somebody. So if, if that guy instead of coming down and just starting to pray with me and starting to work, you know, be led by the Spirit himself, if he'd have come down there and interviewed me, why are you crying there, young man? Uh, uh, tell me your name. Okay, well, uh, you saved? Uh, yes, sir, I'm saved. You, you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'd have told him no. I, you know, that's not right. I'd have probably said, I don't know. If he'd have asked me, do you think it's for everybody? I would have said, no. Do you think it's for you? I would have said, I don't know. But he, again, he was wise. Again, that's why everybody's different. J Jesus will meet you where you are. He'll meet you where you are. He's not, he's, whoops, raw hide, that ain't him. Right? Anybody remember those? <laughs> Cattle drive, right? That's not him. It's like, hey, I got something more for you if you want it. Come on. Come on, step up here. Come to me. Come to me. I got something for you, right? Okay. And so, anyway, praise the name of the living God. Y'all okay? How in the world did we get down that road? I started it. If it was beneficial, it was the Holy Spirit. If it was not, then y'all just forgive me and work with me, okay? Amen? Amen? Amen. See, I'm, I'm going I'm to go back to it, though. And I'm not trying to give myself a place in your life that you haven't given me or that I don't trust or whatever you haven't deserved or, or that I don't deserve or earned or whatever, okay? But I'm, I know what I've experienced personally, okay? And that's, that's huge, okay? All right? But now watch this. I, I've, I've been in ministry now. You see what I'm saying? I have had a front row seat for, I don't know, Pam, how many people? Hundreds and hundreds of people, okay? I'm being conservative there, that, um, that we've also experienced things like this together. So, <clears throat> amen. I, let's go back to the most powerful story you'll ever tell is your own story, okay, with the most conviction. So if I just stood up here and just told you what the Word said and never told you what it had happened in my life or what was going on in my life, what I've witnessed firsthand happening in the lives of my children, my family members, my brother. Um, when my brother was baptized in the Holy Spirit that wonderful Sunday night that changed his life 
And in some ways, our family, because we're a family of five, I got older brother, younger sister, me, my mom and dad. Um, me and my younger sister were all in, mom and dad were all in, Bubba wasn't yet, okay? And of course, um, you know, God's destiny was for us to be a family in ministry. And so but when my brother was baptized in the Holy Spirit that night, he literally, he literally prayed and sang in an unknown tongue until daylight. Hours and hours and hours. You know, and I'm like, how in the world can he even do that? I mean, I don't, you know. Um, and how could anybody just, was that like a filibuster? I'm not, he wasn't filibustering, but you know how they get in the floor of, of uh, the legislature and just read out of an encyclopedia to try to stall a vote on a bill? You know, I'm like, how does somebody even talk that long? You know, the guy's where, anyway. Thank you, Jesus. If, if you have questions, I want to answer them for you. I don't, but here's the other thing now, keep in mind. Part of my job is to, it's a strong word, but the Bible uses it. We think of provoke as provoking somebody to anger. He said that we're to provoke one another to good works. Okay, So I'm trying to provoke you, not to anger, not to uh, never come back. No, I'm trying to provoke you. It's like, okay, wow, well, you know, I don't know this dude real well, but he seems sincere, and um, maybe there is something to this that I haven't, witnessed yet or noticed yet or what have you. Amen. Amen. Y'all good? Okay. We're going to probably change that title from those four commitments. Amen. The four levels of commitment. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Remember now, he's the God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about those who limited the Holy One of Israel. <laughs> and I do not want to limit God. I want to agree with Him. Amen. I want to agree with Him. And this, this was one of the... Um, notice now these incremental changes in what God was doing in, in my family back in 1978. Okay, <laughs> um, When all this was happening in 78, then ultimately it was, I guess, summer of 79 when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, notice what's happening in, in, in my family is that, you know, it was a little while in the, making the, sh the shift. And so we still weren't sure about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I say we, I'm talking about my family, uh, mom and dad, but my mother knew what she had heard and what God had showed her. And, and, um, and so then, you know, we make friends, you like, you know, fellowship, right? You make friends with people in the church and people that you begin to establish uh, uh, some kind of connection with. And, and so this dear lady, Sister B. McFarland, just precious saint of God, amen. Um, I think this came from her, but if not, it would sound like something she would say. But, but basically she said, okay, if you're not sure about all this, how about this? Are you at a point that you want in your life anything that God has for you? Well, we were like, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if, it, if, if it's something that God has for me, then I, I want it, amen? And so if you're not sure about all this and even wonder what in the world we're talking about tonight, okay, then let's start there. So that's, he'll meet you where you are. And so if you're not sure about it, you say, well, you know what? I, I, if, it, if, God ha if this is for me and if it's from God, I, I want it. That's, a, that's starting to open the door, you, you see. 
Um, and for us, I'm not saying anybody in this room or anybody listening to me right now, but for us, we started with the door completely closed. Are you following me? Amen. And I would say when we, when mom had that experience with God and, and we, um, for those of you who don't know, uh, my mother was started walking to church and she was a little girl, was raised in a dysfunctional family. And, um, but she wanted something better for her children and she felt like the only place she could find that was a church. And, um, the uh, pastor in that church, I'm sure he meant well, but he, he stooped down one Sunday and he put his finger in my mother's face and he said, your, family's, your entire family's salvation is dependent upon you, which it wasn't. It's not it's like a little girl save her family, right? But at that point, something shifted in a negative way in my mother because she was so afraid that she would do something wrong, commit a sin that would lead to her entire family going to hell and um, and so she struggled with that well into, uh, again, three kids um, <laughs> in her 30s, you know. And um, so it was actually uh, Sunday night a week ago, the Sunday night before, um, no, Sunday night, this past Sunday night, the Sunday night before Labor Day, we were, uh, my grandfather was operated heavy equipment he was a member of the union, and out on Highway 150, they have the International uh, Operators Union uh, campgrounds, local offices, the lake, and all that. And we would go every Labor Day to a picnic there, my grandfather. And so out of school, you know, no school that morning. That Mom and Dad let us stay up a little later that night. We went to bed. My mother went, waited for everybody to go to sleep. She went downstairs to commit suicide. And she sat down in the window seat there in our den, and she told the Lord, she says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not trying to hide it from you. And um, I've got some questions, and I'm going to ask you, and you're going to answer me. And you say, well, that's rude or whatever, but I mean, God will meet you where you are, right? And so for the first time in her life, she actually heard the Lord's voice. And one of the questions she said was, there's got to be more to serving you and living for you than what I know. And he said, there absolutely is a lot more. And so he said that you've got to get your family to a church that teaches and preaches the fullness of my spirit. And so that was the, the turning point in our lives. But see, again, we didn't all get baptized in the Holy Spirit that Monday morning. Matter of fact, none of us kids even knew. Um, we, we knew the next Sunday that mom and dad decided to not go to church, which was like, what has happened, you know? Um, we kind of did a family day. And then on a Thursday night, they went to a Pentecostal church, but they got a babysitter for us because they were, again, all that's of the devil, and they didn't want to expose the kids to something that would ruin us. For That's how, again, I'm just trying to show you where we, where we were in all this. I'm going to say that's where you guys are. That's where we were back in the day, okay, 1978. And so um, <clears throat> I would say this, the door was closed and deadbolted shut it it wasn't opened that night but at least the, it was unlocked you see what I'm saying and then when somebody asked if it is for you and if God wants it for you are you uh are you want are you interested yes so that's when the door was cracked open right and then um that I was the first person in my family the first of the five of us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit but for me, when I saw what was going on, it was beautiful that the door opened wide enough. For, you, are you, 
Amen. Are you following what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. All right. So maybe some of you tonight are, maybe you just took the chain off the door, but you still got the deadbolt. I don't know. All right. But he's got so much more for you that he wants you to know and experience and enjoy that'll make a difference in your life that has been bought and paid for for you. Um, it comes with the package of salvation. Um, and Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's why there's so many different verses, and we'll look at some of these, maybe not all of them, where the Bible says don't let the, the, the enemy spoil you. Right? And he's not talking about spoiling you like, um, you know, like somebody would spoil their grandkid by not correcting them or you know, whatever. He's spoil like the spoils of war. Don't, don't let the enemy steal from you take from you what belongs to you because, um, you know, that's how he works. That's how he operates. Now, if you've got a John Deere lawn tractor in your backyard and you wake up one morning and it's gone, you're probably going to call the police and report it stolen. But if you never knew you had a John Deere lawn tractor and somebody stole it, well, you're not even going to know any difference, right? See, the devil steals stuff from us because the easiest thing it is that that he can steal from us is things we don't know are ours, things we, we don't even know. And that's, again, he comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. So, praise the name of the living God. It's, if you hadn't looked at your clock, it's 638, okay? And it's, this class is zoomed by, I hope it hasn't been torment for some of you. Can we at least, can we at least do this verse and then we'll, amen. Anybody, I'm not trying to shut anybody down. Did I see any other hands? Everybody good? Okay, yes. All right. And for the record, I didn't, I, I know what it's like when somebody's challenging me. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've had a lot of that over the years. I didn't discern that from anybody whatsoever, okay? I just hear people that are interested and hungry and want to know and have been told things that you're trying to sort through. And that's what these classes are for, okay? Yes, sir. Me, I, I, I got that way, and that's a good place to be. A good place to be. Very loud, very quick. In order for you to be, uh, in order for us to allow you to be our mentor, occasionally we you have to be our full mentor. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. Amen. Yeah. I, well, amen. My my dear friend Donald Ballard, um, he got up to speak at another church, um, and the pastor who introduced him said, "Well, you know, Donald's going to be bringing the word tonight. And you know, Donald has a tendency to be controversial." Well, Donald's like, I'm not sure that's a compliment, you know. And he asked the Lord about it. He said, son, you're not being controversial. You're being confrontational. And, and there's a difference, right? Because when God's truth comes in contact with something I believe in my heart that's not true, there's a confrontation, and I can either try to explain away the truth or, or make excuses or, or what have you, or I can let that truth begin to melt and change the resistance that's in my heart towards the things of God, right? And, and I use that. I always try to give him credit for it when, when I use that. Is um, not in a, not in a uh, combative way, not in a, uh, a tormenting way. I know I got what you're saying there, brother, okay? But in the confrontational way, you know, this is, this is what I've learned over the years, okay? Um, if it's the Word of God and if it's truth, 
it'll stand up to some confrontation. Amen. It'll, in other words, um, one, one of the pivotal moments in my life, it was my second staff position at a church. And I had been, the pastor was teaching uh, an adult Sunday school class. And, um, and he asked me to take that class over. I thought, man, that's an honor. You know, thank you, sir. I do the best I can, you know. And, and so I taught for a few Sundays, and it wasn't in, in my notes. But, you know, there's a back when AIDS and all that came out, there were people who believed. And see, here I go. I'm almost like, what's that, PTSD, you know what I'm saying? Um, there are people who preach and teach that that was God's judgment against homosexuality. And I just, absolutely, I mean, if that's the case, then why do children get it? You know, I'm saying, why? You know, that's not who God is. That's not. This ain't Judgment Day, and that's not how He judges. But anyway, I'm not trying. If you believe that, just let's come on back next Wednesday. Just, but hear me, right? So, but I want. I was like, I just mentioned that. You know, I, I forget. It was talking about God's a good God or something. I was like, yeah, you know, it's like, and the Holy Spirit. You, you say the Holy Spirit led you to do that. Well, He did because it showed me some things that I didn't know was in that pastor's heart. Buddy, I mean, he just blasted me right there in front of the whole class. It absolutely is God's judgment against homosexual. And, of course, I found out that he had some real issues. <laughs> anyway, praise God, with, uh, you know, towards people who struggled in that area. And, um, and, of course, I was like, you know, but I was working night shift at the time. Somebody heard me say good morning when you got here, and y'all thought I was saying that because I say that to you when I see you in the morning. <laughs> I normally say good morning to people in the evenings because I work night shift for so many years. It's kind of a joke when I say good morning. And it's also like, thank you, Jesus, I'm not working night shift anymore, okay? But I was working night shift at the time as a 911 operator for the city of Hoover. And on a Sunday night, you know, after midnight, it, in those days anyway, it, this was, what, late 80s. Um, not much was happening in Hoover. And so I just, my partner was there, and it's quiet. And I just got my Bible out, and I'm like, Lord, you know, because um, what I had some I had some confrontation, you know what I'm saying, and uh, and I certainly don't want to have confrontation with my pastor, you know, and and um, I'm like, Lord, if I'm wrong, you show me, and I'll apologize to him, and I'll tell the class straight up, you know, and the Lord took me to the Holy Spirit, verse after verse after verse after verse in the Bible, not to argue. Matter of fact, I I never. We had one or two conversations about it some months later, you know, and I had the opportunity to share some of the things that the Lord had shown me. But this is, this is the last thing the Lord showed me about that whole episode in my life. Again, the confrontation, right? And this was the conclusion that I came to, and this is kind of the final, final draw on it. I'm like, you know, Father, if I'm... If what I'm preaching is wrong, then all I'm guilty of is making you out to be better than you really are. And first of all, you can't do that. <laughs> if what I'm preaching is wrong, then I'm saying you are more kind and more forgiving and more loving and more gracious and more merciful than you really are. And when I stand before you one day, I'll apologize for that. But I'm not going to be on the other side of that coin and stand up in front of people and say things about you. Are you picking up what I'm putting down, right? Okay, amen. So, again, not in, in, a, in a way, arrogant way or anything like that, but, you know, it's, it's, it's in that crucible of confrontation 
where we believe one thing and the Word of God now seems to be saying something different, you know, how we handle that and what we do with that, all being led by the Holy Spirit, not being led by Pastor Mark Winslet, being led by the Holy Spirit, right? This is where we grow and we change and we grow up into Jesus. That's speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. Amen? Is that okay? All right? I love you. I mean that. I love you. Philo and agape. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God's got so much for us to do. He, he's got, he has so much more for us than, than I think any of us have really dared to believe yet. Amen. And we're, and we're going to see those things. Philemon 6 says, acknowledge every good thing that's in you. My father, through his son's sacrifice for you and me, and through the Holy Spirit who now dwells in us, he's put some mighty fine things in us. And it's time for us to know what those things are. And it's time for us to acknowledge them. To acknowledge. See, the devil wants you to acknowledge the past. He wants, he wants you to walk around talking about how broken you are and how this you are and how this. No, no, no. See, that's, no, no, that's not who you are anymore. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for revealing yourself and your truth to us. Father, thank you for what I believe was a, was a divine interruption by the Holy Spirit tonight. Lord, to, to, to not just talk about things that you have prepared for us, but, but Father, also to, to kind of get an understanding of, of where these classes and, and where you have me coming from, Lord, to this particular group of believers. Um, this is a different bunch, Father. Everybody that's here wants to be here. <laughs> Everybody that's here, Father, is, is longing to know you and to, and to, and to live a life that, that pleases you and, and step up into what you have for them. And, Lord, that's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, Father, I just thank you again as I often pray uh, over uh, men and women, groups of men and women. Father, that, that you would reveal yourself, that you would reveal your truth concerning these things to each and every one of us in personal and meaningful ways. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, 647. I apologize for running a couple minutes over. Good things coming, good things coming, good things coming. Amen. We will jump back in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 on next week. You coming back?